certainly have fears that there is a serial killer at loose in Perth. Sarah Spears, Jane Rimmer, Kira Glennon. And every time you saw a young girl walking by, you think, oh God, is she going to be the next victim? Now, one man stands accused. If police are right and Edwards is the Claremont serial killer, he's been hiding in plain sight for 20 years. Hi everyone and welcome to Claremont in Conversation, The Verdict. I'm Natalie Bongiolo. In 2008, untested nail clippings from Kira Glennon were sent to the UK. The laboratory was the Forensic Science Service, where a revolutionary procedure known as low-copy number DNA profiling was being perfected by Dr Jonathan Whittaker. By extracting DNA profiles from the tiniest of samples, he'd already helped police with breakthroughs in major cases. He'd given evidence in hundreds of trials around the world, and he became a star witness in the Claremont case. It was Dr Whitaker's team who discovered a distinctive male profile from Kira's fingernail samples, a eureka moment in a mystery spanning decades. In today's episode, Dr Whitaker chats to Tim Clark about that moment and what followed. When you got that result back, I mean obviously it was a it was a, it was the significant moment um, up to uh, up to that point in the, in the Claremont investigation when, when you got that result and then made that call did, did you appreciate uh, how big it was going to be for for the WA police no <laughs> I mean I didn't I didn't even know what it meant to yeah. be perfectly honest so my, my focus was on what what can I report because um I don't know if you know that the the profile at the what we call the high molecular weight end that that Right hand side of the of the graphical form of the profile, yep. um, he, Mr. Edwards has um, quite an unusual DNA marker, which in itself is relatively rare in the population. And that was that was a little marker which was just it it, did, it was at the degraded part of the profile. I mean, it was definitely there, but it was you know quite small relative yep. to the other parts, and. Um, so we were we were trying to um, make sure that when we reported back to the Western Australia Police how we how we dealt with that marker because um, any searches of a database, for example, that that would be really quite a powerful part of the DNA to help eliminate non-matches. Yep. Um, so our main concern was to report back with confidence what we thought the the male profile was, which is what we did, but. I with no inkling at that stage that um, you know it might be relevant to an offender because um, well you just don't know, do you? We, we felt very much that you know the issues of contamination from staff, for example, all yep. those all those hurdles had got to be eliminated first, and that's what we would advocate. Mm-hmm. You 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 try and position the significance of any result by eliminating other known sources of DNA, yeah. and I think. Um, even at that stage, I mean, I, di- I didn't know anything about Kira Glenn, and it, it could have matched a legitimate boyfriend, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that at that point, for all I knew, yeah, um, it was just a case of reporting it back, and um, and then we know what the you know what happened as a result of that. Yeah, and then, as you say, a few months later, after uh, the Path West and W Police had done their thing here, you get another call to say, "Well, we've matched. We think we've matched it." to another offence 
Um, and these are the samples from that offence. And would you mind <laughs> awfully um, doing your stuff again to see to see if if our match matches your match? Yes. Well, I think I, I think that's really important for because from my perspective, just sitting here in my little bubble, <laughs> the fact that um, it has matched to another type of sexual offence with a similar MO, then that that's when it sort of really started to take on significance for me because um you know working so many years you don't you don't get those sort of coincidences just by chance no exactly and that was uh and that was the ultimate argument that miss barbagallo made was well what are the chances that uh a these two offenses just could be randomly matched and b if they were contaminated then <laughs> what are the chances of yeah. two two so similar crimes in similar times um just happening happening to come into contact in a lab and that's what justice hall said in his, his judgment as well didn't he, he correct said after, you know the fact that this sample could should have been contaminated by um samples from a another victim who's been you know in similar circumstances i've i mean it, it didn't but he said didn't he i've taken that i've taken that into account mm, yeah um and then you know fast forward all those years um, I, I suppose like a lot of people you got a call out of the blue from the, someone from the dpp or the wa police saying we might need you to give evidence because <laughs> this is this is what it all means yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, that that came down the line when. Um, um, so where would we have been when when they when they got the sample from the Sprite bottle, mm-hmm. uh, and then took a reference sample from him? Um, yeah, that's when the you know the about what we would call the evaluative phase started. Yep. The, the so up until that, we would make distinction between generating a profile and then using that profile to try and find a person which was all prior to his arrest and then having found him the emphasis of the dna is all about um you know how did his how did his dna get there and and what's the chances of this being his dna rather than somebody else's and so yeah at that time of arrest with that's when we switch gears and move into that sort of reporting phase Mm. Yeah, and I well, being half a world away, you probably didn't realise, or maybe you did, the the attention and interest of the case in general. But then, in particular, when when Edwards was arrested and charged, um, and it then came to light a little bit later that there was a this, this DNA match. I mean, were you were you keenly following it from afar, or, or <laughs> I suppose you're a busy man and you've got other things to do, but. Um, well, I was I was kept informed. I mean, the the the, the police officer I was um, most in touch with was was Jim Stanbury. Yeah. So he was he I got a very good relationship with Jim, and he he brought the samples over along he with did. George Patton. And um, yeah, unfortunately, Jim, for whatever reason, was was taken off the task force. But um, he very much kept um, an interest in what was going on, and and he he kept me informed of what was happening so that was that was nice but i mean there's so much out there on the internet <laughs> yeah yeah easy um, to find out yeah and then you get to the the trial phase and obviously um knowing that you're going to be a, a, a witness I, I guess you've got to be across 
every eventuality, both from your side and and what might be, what might be said against you, I suppose. But but I um, mean, from the way you you gave evidence, you were always, it seemed to me, confident in the in certainly in the in the process that you'd undertaken. But then you were asked about other things that had happened at the Pathwest Lab and contaminations. And you, you know, ultimately, you came to the conclusion that there was, even though there were those contamination events, they were very rare and absolutely had nothing to do with these these fingernail samples that 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 you'd um, that you'd been asked to test. Yeah. So the the key to that is um, that it, so evaluating the, the ask, trying to ask the question or answer the question, how did the DNA get there? When contamination is run as a defence, although I think we all accepted that that's what it was, although it wasn't explicitly stated by the defence, it seems to me, <laughs> that it's all about the, the context of that case and that case's samples and what happened to those case samples, which is you know why all that continuity evidence was brought to the fore. Um, and it just needed that emphasis that you know the contamination by staff is irrelevant because in essence, you've identified that it's come from the staff member and therefore it, it's, it's got, although it, identifying those things is useful for the, um, the lab to improve its quality through corrective action to make sure it doesn't happen again, it doesn't impact on the fundamental question, well, has contamination happened in this case between these samples? Mm. And um, I think that that's the message that we had to bring home that it, all this other stuff about staff contamination at Path West and in any other lab, you know, in our own lab we used to, to get it, but the, the difference is that you, you've detected it and you can, you can show how it might have got there. Um, but for these samples in this case, that's why we had to go down that line as well. You know, have, the, have these samples ever come into close proximity to each other? Has there ever been this mechanism? Has there ever been an opportunity? And reading the judgment, I'm, I'm quite pleased that that message seems to have been um, clearly stated because um, Justice Hall actually makes reference to that. Yeah. On a number of occasions. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, basically said it was it was inconceivable how how it could have happened and um, and. That left only one other rational scenario, which is the one that um, that he accepted that um, that Kira scratched him, and that's that's how it got there. Re- reading yeah. judgments like that, and Justice Hall, you'd used words personally about yourself, including sort of cogent and compelling. Um, that that must give you a, a certain amount, or a lot amount, a lot, a lot of professional um, satisfaction, knowing that that the job that you've been asked to do by the West Australian Police and the DPP, um, you, you seem to have succeeded in? Yeah, definitely. I don't, and I don't, um, you know, might say that unashamedly, but, I mean, that's we spent that 20, 30 years trying to develop that. Mm-hmm. And you, you, I know the difference, very much a difference, was that it was a judge-only case cause, mm-hmm. and, and often with scientific issues, as I'm sure you're aware, it's... Is trying to convey those complex issues in simple terms, mainly to a jury, um, um, and and that that sort of never left me, even though there was just a judge there, because you know there was plenty of people in the audience, and particularly for the family, I felt it was important that they understood what the 
what the the way of thinking was um, and the process that we used, this idea of um, having to consider um, the evidence with alternative explanations for it, what we term propositions, mm. and and that enabled you to to um, rank how likely the evidence was given those alternatives. So um, we didn't really develop how the evidence was going to present it so much um, until, I would say, the day before I gave evidence. Oh, wow. Lots of conferences with <laughs> Carmel, and um, we just sort of said, you know, in order to get what this evidence means out there, we have to, we have to follow this framework mm. that... Um, you know, was there and, and referenced and prescribed by the scientific community, this idea of, of assessing the probability of the evidence given these alternatives. Because otherwise, what you end up with is defence say, well, is contamination possible? And the scientists would often say, yes, and that's the end of it. Mm. But the relevant question is, how probable is, how likely is it to get the evidence if one of two alternatives was true mm. that he'd that she'd scratched him or she'd scratched somebody else mm. and it's like like saying um you know could i win the lottery and you say well yes, yes. i could uh, but it's actually it's not very likely it's more likely that i won't win <laughs> and 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 that's that's why it's important for a scientist to be in my mind involved with making sure that they're asked the right questions so that you can give the right answer yeah. the, or the the most informative answer at the end of the day. Yeah. So, I mean, Karma was a star. She was. <laughs> she got it, and we um, yeah. we just went from there. Yeah. And you mentioned the family there, and you. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but um, Kira's dad, Dennis, gave a press conference, very emotional press conference, at the end of last week, and he mentioned mentioned several people by name you you being one of them um it, that, i mean that must uh, even i don't know even that maybe that outranks a judge that, that that when 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 the closest family member of a victim thanks you for helping yeah, bring I mean, them I, some I, resolution I see that um i i, I caught that and uh, yeah i found that really emotional myself really because we don't um again it's you don't often get to um, see that impact on the family um, much at all. You know, you give your evidence and and often you never get the opportunity to um, speak to them or understand what this um, result means to them. And, you, I mean, you, you never can really, can you, because you can never put yourself in their shoes. But um, I'd, after I'd given evidence, I, um, I had a brief chat with... Mr. Glennon at court, which was nice, and just sort of privately, and then um, yeah, to hear him say that for you know for the team and and yep. the fact that you know again all, our work all those years ago had, had, had borne fruit this this number of years down the line was um, yeah it was heartening yeah, yeah. nice well thank you thank you doctor as i say really appreciate your time um hope you uh, get to come back to perth at uh, some stage maybe under slightly less stressful circumstances all the best all right thank you you too take care Ta -ra -ra -ra. Bye -bye.
Thanks again to Dr Whitaker for the early morning chat from the UK. We'll be back next week with more special guests, including the Perth detective who launched the Claremont serial killer investigation and the former WA police commissioner who was the top cop when Edwards was arrested and charged. Also, if you have any questions still unanswered, drop us an email to claremontpodcast at wanews.com.au and we'll aim next week for a bonus episode to clarify or delve into any of those outstanding questions you may have. And of course, after that we'll be back with you on the 23rd of December for the sentencing of Edwards. Hope to have your company next week for Claremont and Conversation, The Verdict until then. This podcast is hosted by Natalie Bongiolo produced by Kate Ryan and recorded in the studios of 7 West Media. Sign up for daily emails and all the latest on the Claremont trial at thewest.com.au And if local news delivered differently appeals to you, tune in to WA's newest morning show, The West Live with Jenna Clark. It's talkback radio, but without the interruptions. Listen live weekdays from 8.45am on thewest.com.au or catch up with the podcast.